Hey, men, yeah, you can go ahead and take a seat at every campus. Happy Wednesday. Hey, and Merry Christmas, everybody. It's officially okay to say that because Thanksgiving is over. We all probably ate way too much as I did, which is fine because what better way to say thank you than with the sin of gluttony? Um, so, hey, here's the thing tonight. Uh, I don't have a lot of time to spare, so go ahead, and you should already have your Bibles open to Genesis 1, but if not, go ahead and open them now or click on your phone to Genesis 1. That's where we're going to start uh, tonight, but before that, as you hold that spot, before I say anything, I have to make sure that I say this. In two weeks, we have something called the Fuse Christmas Party, and red versus green is back, team red forever. Red will win. Hail to team red. Amen. It's fine. It's okay. You can be, you can be salty about it. Uh, but before, so that's in two weeks, but over the next three weeks, um, we wanted to come around this concept of, of family. Okay. We know Christmas is a very like family field, field. How Southern am I? Family filled time. Uh, you're going to hang out with a lot of family, and we also realize that for a lot of you, family has different connotations. Like even when I say the word family, different pictures pop up in your mind, different emotions, happiness or sadness or fear or whatever. And so we're going to come around the concept of family because we believe with the Christmas season, the reason it's about family is because really family is born of God. And that with the arrival of Jesus came this concept of a new kind of family. So for the next three weeks, come to Fuse. It is your family. Let's learn about family. Why not bring some friends into the family as we unpack uh, what this means for the next few weeks? Uh, because we believe this. You can write this down. This is kind of like the theme for the series, the theme for tonight, that God's plan has always been family. I'm going to move this so you can see my whiteboard. I'm getting very teacher-esque tonight, and this table is not as light as you would think. <clears throat> but God's plan has always been family. From the beginning of time to the end of time and beyond, God's plan is family. So uh, this is my very official-looking, beautiful uh, family timeline that I was going to write this in front of you and then just confession because I believe families are also honest. I got self-conscious, so I did it backstage, and now I'm still self-conscious about it because there's some dips and some dives. But how many of you know families also aren't perfect, so neither is my line. But this is our family timeline that we're going to walk through tonight. Um, and first, you already read this, uh, but we're starting in Genesis 1, and the first step if God's plan is family, then the first thing we see in his timeline is a created family. That's pretty good font, right? That's pretty good penmanship. Some of y'all, it looks like hieroglyphics when I see y'all right, but that's okay. Created family. And this comes from Genesis 1. You already read some of it tonight. Also, I brought out the, the thick Bible tonight because uh, I'm trying to preach and you need, you know, the bigger the Bible, the holier you are. Just kidding. Um, but I'm going to start, there goes my pen, in Genesis 1. Uh, but I'm going to start a little earlier than y'all did in your reading at every campus tonight. And here's the thing. Before I read this, I actually want to say this. Everybody look up at me at every campus. Tonight, I know I'm usually, like, I'm a joke teller, and I like to have fun and all that, but my main prayer for this message has been that this goes deep into your heart. 
Because the more I study this and the more I look at God's heart for family, God's plan for family, the more I really do think that if we can understand this, if we can understand what it means, then everything else kind, kind of falls into place. So I'm not planning on yelling tonight. I'm not planning on trying to like, I have no interest in entertaining or any of that. But I, I'm telling you, if you will take this in and ask the Holy Spirit to let it really take over your heart, I promise you this could change everything, okay? You believe me? Nod your heads. All right. So with created family in Genesis 1, I'm going to start a little earlier as uh, God is in the creation process. You know, his creativity is flowing. And I'm going to highlight a few things starting in verse 21. If you have a Bible, you can follow along. But these verses aren't going to come up on the screen. But it says, so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds. Everybody say their kinds. Listen, I know it's Christmas and you just had Thanksgiving and banana pudding that just filled up every, you know, essence of your being. But come with me here, okay? Everybody say, of their kind. Thank you. And every winged bird according to its kind. Everybody say, its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the sea. Let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kind. Everybody say, their kind. Livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kind. And the livestock according to their kind. And everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. I did that on purpose because I want you to look at the difference between all of what we just said in verses, and uh, starting in verse 26. Look at this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, not of its kind, not of their kind. Let's make man of our kind, of the God kind, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You know how kids are made in the kind of their parents? Everybody's like, oh, you look just like your dad. You look just like your mom. You look like God. In this family, you look like God. You are made in God-likeness. The God who spoke existence into being, who holds the universe into hand, in his hands, you are made of his same kind. He created family. And so you have Adam and Eve sitting in the garden enjoying this beautiful family, living in relationship with each other, living in relationship with God, and everything's going great for a little bit. And then Genesis 3 enters, and we enter the next timeline of our family, and that is broken family. Because Genesis 3 enters, and we see Adam and Eve having a conversation with a serpent. How many of y'all know so many bad things start with just a conversation? Oh, we were just talking. Red flag, okay? Just a conversation. They choose to go against the family planned, and their identity as family is broken. 
Ephesians 2 even says no longer are they family of God. It says they're aliens and strangers of God. This is what every human is now born into, broken family. That relationship with God is lost. It's why so many of us, I know many of you feel like your family right now is broken. And I want you to hear a heart in this series is, A, I wanna pray for you and your family. Get a leader and let's pray for your family. But this is what the result of sin was. Your family is broken because the family of God was broken. That's what sin did. But we see, so all through the Old Testament, the thick part of the first half of the, the Bible, that humanity's kind of grasping around. They're looking for like ways to get back to this family identity. Remember that whole Exodus and wilderness series thing that we did at the beginning of the year? But we see that there's still some of this family language in there. Like the Israelites um, are called God's firstborn. There's still this family language. Even David writes this beautiful psalm about the heart of a father God. You can still see the family language. Y'all look at this in Psalm 68. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity. And then in the Passion Translation, I want you, I wanted to read it in both because this is so good. Sometimes you gotta read it twice, you know what I'm saying? So in the Passion Translation, it says this. To the fatherless, he is a father. To the widow, he is a champion friend. Leave this here for a second because I want everybody to look up on the screen and I want you to see this last sentence. To the lonely, he makes them a part of a family. Let this wash over you right now, for real. This is the power of scripture. To the lonely, he makes them part of a family. If you have ever felt lonely, there's a God who wants to make sure you never feel that way again by bringing you into his family. That is beautiful. To the prisoners, he leads into prosperity until they sing for joy. This is our God in his holy place. If anybody's thankful for the goodness of God tonight, can I just hear an amen? That is good, that he is a father to the fatherless, that he brings the lonely into a home, that though the family was broken by sin, even David knew that that wasn't how it was supposed to be, that our God wanted to bring us back into relationship, which leads us into the shifting point of humanity. I'm actually gonna get my red marker for this. The shifting point of humanity and the appearance of the cross. And with this, because of the payment of Jesus Christ, we go into the third part of our family uh, timeline, which is restored. Come on now. This is where I'm gonna spend most of our time tonight, and if you haven't felt like I've been preaching up until this point, well then buckle up, get ready, get your pen ready, because this is where the good news gets good, okay? So we're gonna read this. What does it mean to be restored? I see this in Galatians 4, 4 through 7. Let's read this together. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Everybody say adoption. That we might receive adoption as sons. 
And because you are sons and because you are daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. I'm about to unpack this scripture so hard because there is so much depth and richness to all that this scripture is saying. But if I had to sum it up, I'd say this, okay? The family is broken. The family needs to be restored. And so it takes a perfect son to restore a broken family. You got me? It takes a perfect son to restore a broken family. Listen to me because I know in in our southern uh, Bible belt, I grew up in church, like I'm there, I get it. But if we can ever get past the goodness and the depth and the love of the cross, then we have gone too far. Y'all don't hear me? Okay, if we can ever get past the goodness and the depth of what Jesus did for us in order to restore us to God's family, then we have gone too far. This can never just go, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard that. This should always be mind-blowing that a perfect son, the very essence of God, would come to restore us to God's family. Jesus did not come just to get us out of hell. Okay, Jesus did not come just to get us into heaven. Jesus came to bring us into family. I think that is the heart of the cross, the very thing that Jesus desired, why he gave his life. But what does that mean to be restored? What did, what did he restore us into? Okay, so now I'm gonna have like, you know how you're like uh, point one, but then you have like 1A, okay? This is like, 3A, okay? So I'm about to do 3A, and I have three under these threes. That made no sense. Just follow with what I'm saying, all right? So restored to what? First, he restored us. This is why I made you say this out loud. He restored us to adoption. He restored us to adoption. All right, now it's time to quote the most famous scripture there is, uh, and really like the Christmas scriptures, John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. How many of you have heard that scripture before? Raise your hand. Okay. Also, if you ever say, I know it's cliche, but John 3.16, don't do that. There's a reason it is the most used scripture in the world is because it is the truth of the gospel. It's not cliche, it's true. Okay. But I don't want to just think about John 3.16. I want to talk about John 3.17. So for God so loved the world that he gave his one only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Okay? Now here's where we go to that saved word. Right? This is like really use, oh, when did you get saved? What is your salvation story? My brother, have you been saved? Like that is, but what does that mean to be saved? What does that mean to be saved? If you go to the original translation, it actually means to be restored to health. But what I believe is when you say like, oh, when did you receive salvation? What I think that actually means is you received adoption. You received adoption. Adoption literally means to place in position. 
that Jesus took you and placed you in position of a new family, that you have been taken from one family and placed into another family. You've received adoption, that when you say, when you become a Christian, you did more than become a Christian, you became a son and a daughter. Am I preaching to anyone in the house tonight? You did more than become a Christian. You became a son and a daughter. You did more than join a religion. God, help me. You joined a family. You did more than receive a title. You received a new family name. Christian literally means Christ-like. Christ-like is now your family name. You get a whole new identity when you receive adoption. That's what salvation means. You were brought into a family. You've been placed in position in adoption. But not only that, he's restored us to, I'm blocking it on purpose because I want to reveal it, a new father. A new father. I say a new father for a reason. You know that when you're born, no matter if you like your family or not, you're born into a family. Whether your family's broken, whether you have multiple families, whatever, you're born into a family. But the very heart of adoption, if that's true, that in, in salvation we've received adoption, that means we've gotten a new father. Well, who was our old father? Y'all ready to get like kind of hurt a little bit, but like in a good way? Okay, so look at 1 John 3.10. By this it is evident who are the children of God. And who are the children of the devil? I'm just going to read that one more time in case you missed it. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Do you know that without the payment of Jesus Christ that your father is the devil? This is heavy for Christmas time. I know. We have masqueraded in tiny little mangers and in beautiful Christmas songs the depth of what Jesus did for us. Before Jesus, we only can live under the demeaning, harsh, cruel, controlling, interrogating, uh, slave-driving father, the devil. That you are under his control without Jesus Christ. But Here's the good news of the gospel. With Jesus Christ, you are transferred, you are placed in new position under a new father. And let me tell you about your new father. This heavenly father only knows unconditional love. Anybody else like me just blown it before, just big time blown it in your life? Thank you for the four other people in the room who will confess and thank you, bless you in Jesus' name. Do you know that after I receive Jesus, even if I have gone and just decided to do everything else other than my father's good plan, there is nothing that can make my new father love me less than he does right now. Is this good news to anybody in the room tonight? Okay, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Um, a few thoughts about like a father adopting you. Okay, maybe this will make it make sense a little bit. A father adopting you. Um, you know that when the adoption, people go through the adoption process, the kids don't get to choose the parents, right? You know this. They don't line up the parents, and they're like, hey, little Timmy, which parent do you want? And he's like, well, I want that mommy, and I want that daddy. And it's like, well, that's not how it works. Like, they're kind of, you know. No, the parent 
chooses the child. You do not adopt God into your life. He adopts you into his. You get enveloped into his life, into his goodness. He's not just a part of what comes into yours. You become holy into his. He picks you. You don't pick him. He chooses you. You don't choose him. This should be good news to you because, okay, I'll try another analogy. Speaking of like picking, all right, anybody else like emotionally scarred from when people used to pick teams? Y'all probably still do this. Y'all still have like in PE class, you like have to pick teams? Do you still have to do this? No? Okay, some of you, uh, the rest of you saying no are like the ones who always get picked first so you don't understand this. So I'm an, I, I would consider myself an athlete. However, in case it wasn't evident to you, I am also a girl. <laughs> so whenever I would play with the boys, it always ended up being like me and one other person left. And you're just like, if there is a God, I will not get picked last. And you and this other kid just feel like the worst humans on the planet till finally someone goes, this, is, this was always how I got picked till they realized I was good at sports, but this is always how I got picked. Fine, we'll take the girl. Like that's how, any other girl been here? Thank you, my ladies. Fine, we'll take the girl. Morgan Tucker, I heard that laugh, wherever you are. Listen to me, hold on, this, I'm making a point here, listen. Beloved of God, that's not how God chooses you. You are not his last pick. To this father, you are first. Listen to me, everybody at every campus, if you are talking to your friend, you're missing out on some goodness right now. You are not his last pick. You are first. He looks in you and says, I want that one. I want that one. I imagine, I've heard a preacher use this analogy, talking about, Satan being the other father, that God walks into Satan's house. And we're all there from birth. For me, I was 19 years old when I heard God saying, I want that one. And I imagine God walking in, we're all kind of lined up there, and uh, God's like, hey, um, I, want, I want that little girl. And Satan's like bargaining because he's the father of lies and he's a manipulator and he's crafty. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure how she got into the mix. Uh, she, you can't have her. And God's like, I want that one. Satan says, fine. I'll make you a deal. You can have my girl if you give me your son. Feel this. This father and his holy son made the most beautiful exchange for you to be a part of his family. Jesus willingly walks over, switching places with us so that we can step into the family of God. And once you belong to this father, there is nothing that can snatch you out of his hand. All you have to do is say, yes, I'll go home with you. That's how you receive this adoption, this salvation. Does it make sense to everybody? Great. And then the final thing I wanna point out here when it comes to being restored, and this will kinda go into my last point of the timeline, and then we'll close up with some prayer. We get restored to adoption, we get restored to a new father, and lastly, we get restored to 
I know Austin Duffy, the fuse pastor here, and Anderson is going to amen me on this one. You get restored to a beautiful inheritance. A beautiful inheritance. The scripture we just read of our creation story, when the family was created, God spoke over man, hey, all this, yours. The broken family stole it from us, and in Jesus' name, it is all ours again. Ephesians says that we are co-heirs with Christ. Somehow in this mysterious family, Jesus is mentioned as our brother. Meaning as we stand shoulder to shoulder with him when he received his payment that he put on the cross that he took back by raising again, we get access to everything Jesus has access to. If you feel like you have no peace in your life, you have all access to peace in Jesus' name. Jesus said, my peace I leave to you. My peace I give to you. And I don't give to you as the world gives, so don't let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. If you've ever had a lack of confidence in your identity, but you know Jesus, that is not your inheritance in Jesus Christ. Your inheritance is the same as Jesus, the son of God, who said, I am the son of God. I rule and reign in his name and now is seated at the right hand of the father. The same inheritance is yours. A beautiful inheritance is restored to you, son of God, daughter of God, in Jesus' name. He restored that back to us. Oftentimes, we just miss actually holding our hands out and receiving it. You're restored in Jesus' name to adoption, to a new father, and to a beautiful inheritance. This is very good news, and this is a beautiful picture of family that God's invited us into. But praise God, one day, this will not just be restored, our inheritance, the revelation of our father, the full revelation of our adoption. One day, the perfect son will return again. The clouds will part. The angels will sing. The trumpets will sound. Every knee and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we will be restored to a perfect family. Revelation 21 puts it this way. We're almost um, done, and then we're going to do something really cool, I believe, together. Revelation 21 says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Not only were you made for family, not only were you saved for family, in Jesus you are destined for family. Family has always been God's plan. No matter what your biological family looks like tonight, I hope you hear the hope of the gospel. There is a beautiful, all-inclusive, unconditionally loving, divine family that you can be a part of every single day because of Jesus. 
And I, as I was thinking about how to close this up, um, I have some pretty amazing friends who actually are a lot like my family. Uh, and two of them, their names are Amy and Charlie Bagwell. I met Amy when I was 18 years old at Anderson University. First, I didn't like her because that's how most girl relationships start. Uh, then I realized she was pretty awesome and we should be best friends for life. Amy and Charlie prayed for a family, a biological child uh, for a long time until they finally realized the reason God had not given them a biological child is because he wanted them to be a family marked by adoption. So they went through the process. Uh, they did local adoption. So um, their first little girl was actually from um, Greenwood, South Carolina. Um, and I just want to show you a picture of them as a family with their first little girl, Lee. Look at her face. Oh, God. I, I honestly would die for her. Not even kidding. Amy, but mainly Lee. Mainly Lee. This is a picture, leave that up there. This is a picture of them the day that they signed the papers to adopt Lee. And it had been a process and they actually still have a relationship with the birth mother because just literally um, yesterday, they signed papers again to adopt Lee's half biological brother. Um, his name is Charles, named after Charlie right there, his, his new father. <clears throat> and I um, texted her the other day uh, because I was, knew I was going to preach this and I um, wanted to hear what she might say to you if she could communicate God's heart of adoption to you. I gave her no context for my message other than um, that I was going to be teaching about God's family. And I just want to read over you. Leave that picture up because I want you to just see this family as I'm reading this. And she hadn't slept in 48 hours when she wrote this, so give her some grace. But she said, God's definition of family is so different than what we've adhered to. I don't think me loving my kids is actually some big miracle. Like God did something crazy in my heart to make them love me as if they came to me. This is how he created us. He made our hearts capable of loving everyone like they're our own flesh and blood. You can take that photo down. I agree with Amy that in your heart, from the created family design is the capability to love every single person like they are your own flesh and blood. I don't care if you're red and yellow, black and white, we are all precious in his sight. And our heavenly father wants to adopt you into that kind of family. Because here's my last sentence for tonight, and I hope this sticks with you that God does not desire followers, he desires family. Don't just be a follower of Jesus. Realize you are in the family of Jesus. Don't just be a follower of God. Realize you are in the family of God. Amy did not adopt, Amy and Charlie did not adopt Lee and Charles so they could just follow their rules the rest of their life. That's not how adoption works. They adopted Lee and Charles into their family so they could now teach them how to live in this family and loving relationship. So Charles, Charlie could teach Charles how to play golf because he loves golf. Though I don't understand because golf is miserable. I think it's the devil's sport. I'm just kidding. 
God does not want you to just be a follower. He wants a son and a daughter. So here's what we're going to do all together. You can put your journals up and your Bibles down and all that. And I've just been asking God that he would speak over you tonight. I don't have like some kind of very pointed invitation. Um, but as you bow your heads and close your eyes, all across the room, every campus, let the Father speak over you tonight. I believe what scripture says, that the Holy Spirit teaches us how to cry out, Abba, Father, which literally translates, my Father, the Father. So I'm just gonna leave a minute of silence. I'm gonna ask you to put your phone down. Do business with God here. Nope, don't do business. Do family with your father right now. So I'm just gonna be quiet and you ask the Holy Spirit to speak this identity over you. So I'm actually, um, I'm gonna call an audible right now, every campus. Uh, you can keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Um, I'm gonna pray for us. And, uh, and then I'm gonna invite every Fuse pastor, if you're listening, I would love for you to come out and do a live local invitation because I believe there are specific things that God is speaking over each and every individual room. And I would love for you to lead in this next time before we sing. Uh, before we get into the rest of the night for you to get up and be able to pastor the room. So Austin um, here in Anderson and uh, Austin Massey in Clemson and Nathan Wood and, and Hilton Head and all my brothers in between. Um, I'm thankful for you as my brothers. And if one of my sisters is leading tonight, I'm thankful for you. Uh, Lead the rooms accordingly, however you feel. But I'm gonna pray for us. And then when I say amen, don't move, don't talk. Your fused pastor is gonna be up to lead you in an invitation locally at every campus. So let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that these are my brothers and sisters. I bind the enemy, the father of lies right now in Jesus' name. He has no right or voice to speak over these students. I pray for Christians to be assured of their identity, to be empowered, activated, confident, assured of their identity, sons and daughters, and for those who are still living in the wrong house, that the father of lies has locked the doors. Jesus, King Jesus, you have the keys. Break the doors open. Take your brothers and sisters back. Take the, key, the kids of the kingdom back, and may the family grow tonight. We ask this and believe this in Jesus' name. Amen.